Samuel Johnson wrote, Almost all absurdity of conduct arises from the imitation of those whom we cannot resemble. I don't know what the theme song sounds like. Boom, 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 boom. Let's just do the boom, X-Files. Boom, 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 I think it would have been funny if we did the... Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Hello, unsubbers. What should we call listeners? Criminals. Hello, criminals. Welcome to Unsub, a Criminal Minds podcast, hosted by me, Michelle. And me, Michelle. <laughs> and Nicole. Hi. My sister. It's me. How you doing, Nicole? Well, we both just ate a lot of pad thai. I feel sick. I'm going to throw up all over my laptop. I'm going to vomit. Oh, that was just so much pad thai. It was so much pad thai. See, I've definitely eaten more pad thai. The thing is, we also, I made us both mug brownies before we had pad thai, and I think that's what did it. Yeah, I think the brownies (sighs) kind of put it over the top, but when I eat dessert, it makes me hungry for real food. So I ate the brownie, and then I was like, Order some pad thai, because I'm fucking starving right now. Yeah, but then we ordered the pad thai, we ate as much as we would have eaten without the brownie, and it just really overdid it. (laughs) This is a great podcast. (laughs) This is very interesting to all of you. Well, I think it's important information that they should all know, is don't eat a mug brownie before your pad thai. No, just back to the subject at hand. Um... This week we are on episode three of Criminal Minds. And uh, that episode is called Won't Get Fooled Again. That's a, I think it's a song lyric by The Who. I think that's what it's a reference to. I have it on my phone, I think. It is The Who. It's a Who song. Won't Get Fooled Again. I'm so full of movies. Oh, it's a song by the British rock band The Who, which criticizes revolution and power. Mm. That's so interesting. It's beautiful. So our unsub of the week is the Palm Beach Bomber. He places paper. He sends bombs in brown paper packages that are activated by a mercury activator type unit when the bomb is tilted. Learn how to talk. (laughs) The bomber hand delivers them to the victim's doorstep. That's right, the Palm Beach Bomber in Palm Beach, Florida. Beautiful Palm Beach, Florida. Oh my god, I'm so tired. (laughs) So this episode opens up with the Bomber's second victim, Gil Plurman. (laughs) It sounds like a made-up name, and it is a made-up name. Somebody made that name (laughs) up when they wrote this episode. I bet there's someone named Gil Clurman. Clurman? Clerman. Why are you yelling right now? <laughs> That's Clerman is the first word of this episode. It opens up with Clerman. Clerman. Because uh, there's a man named Joe waiting outside Clerman's house. Joe Arpaio. It's not Joe Arpaio. I don't know what Joe Arpaio looks like. He's waiting for him. Clerman comes out of his house. He has a package that he picks up off the doorstep, I guess. He comes out to his car. This man... Goes up to Clarman and says, hey, I've been trying to call you. You're not answering your phone. What the fuck? Uh, Gil Clarman says, we have a meeting tomorrow. Leave me alone. And you think that this is like they're going to get into a fight or something. One of them is going to murder the other one. But no. He just walks away. Joe Arpaio walks away. And when Clarman gets into his car, the bomb goes off. Boom. It blows his leg off. You see Joe Thrown to the ground, but he does survive. Clerman survives the bomb. So cut to our friends, our gang at the BAU. Gideon and friends, as I like to call them. They talk about not raising the terror level. But then JJ comes in and she's like, they're going to raise the terror level and here's why. Because this bomb 
bomb shit is already all over the news. It's on every news channel imaginable. Even mm-hmm. aliens up in the sky are getting this news. Yep. And JJ, I just want to point out, is wearing a, a fun pink suit. <laughs> that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post on the Instagram. You are? Yeah. So stay tuned for that. That's exciting, you That's guys. That's very exciting. So they're watching the news. It's a local channel. Mm-hmm. They're watching the news of the bomb that killed Clerman. And another bomb goes off in the background. This is 45 minutes Live after. on the news. Ah! <laughs> 45 minutes mm-hmm. after the bomb mm-hmm. that killed Clerman. No, we're going to talk about all, all bombs. All bombs were Stop. within <laughs> Stop. You need to calm down. <laughs> this brings the total of bombs. Up to three. Let's talk about those bombs. Mm-mm. Nicole's crying now. I'm just so full. You just don't understand how much pad thai we ate. I just want to take a nap, but Nicole still has to edit this episode and put it up. The bombs were within three miles of each other. There were three bombs so far. Yes, the first bomb killed 74-year-old widow Barbara Keller. The second bomb, two hours later, killed Gil Clerman. The third bomb, 45 minutes after the Gil Clerman bomb, killed 34-year-old housewife Jill Swenson across the street. I have to go get my charger. Mm. And so... Michelle's going to sing for you while I'm gone. I'm not. So what do these victims have in common with each other? Barbara Keller, the first victim, was an investor in a $10 million condo deal that fell through because the land had too much methane on it. Because I don't actually know what methane is. Isn't that what comes out when the cows poop or fart? So that fell through because the land was filled with cow farts. And Clerman, the second victim who survived, was a partner in that condo deal. He lost a lot of people, a lot of money. Yes, sir, he sure did. And that's how we know that Bill Clerman was the killer. His name is Gil Clerman. <laughs> and he's not. Shut it out. Cut that out of the podcast. I just spit a peanut onto my sweater. So, uh, where'd you get while I was gone, Michelle? That's it. Morgan offers to stay behind to handle the bomb fragment and the bomb profile. Hotch asks if he's still nervous about being around a bomber since the Boston incident. The Boston incident. Do you guys remember the Boston incident? It was so long ago. I don't... In the first episode, the Boston incident killed six agents. Gideon was there. It sent him into a PTSD tailspin. It's not a nervous breakdown. What do they say they call them now? Panic attack. No. No? I think it was. No. He said they don't call them nervous breakdowns anymore. I think it was a panic attack. No. A nervous breakdown and a panic attack are not the same thing at all. But I think that's what they said. No. (laughs) Netflix.com? I thought you were looking up nervous breakdown. (laughs) And you typed in Netflix. I was like, that's not the same thing at all. you got a woman who's only got a few hours left to live, an incomplete profile, and a unit chief on the verge of a nervous breakdown. They don't call them nervous breakdowns anymore. It's called a major depressive episode. I know. <laughs> I love Morgan. I love Reed. I love their dynamic. It's called a major depressive episode. Not a, not a panic attack. Not a manic episode. So Nicole was wrong. So Morgan goes, oh, it's not the bomber I'm worried about. It's fucking Gideon in his major depressive episode. And then Hotch says, why don't you focus on profiling the bomber, not Gideon? But he does end up staying behind. Yes, he does stay behind to handle the bomb fragments, which the ATF are mailing to them. Which brings us to the typical bomber profile. Which is mostly male. Loners. Oh, we're taking turns now? Because last time you just... Then read it! (laughs) You read it all without me. Do this right now. (laughs) It's not charging again. Just keep reading. Typical bomber profile. Mostly male. Loners. History of criminal activity. 
50% of bombings are vandalism, and the bombers usually blow themselves up. I mean, the one victim that didn't die was Clarman. At this point, I did think it was him. Because he is a, the biggest name on the episode. Because he was the only, like, he's an actor that I recognize. He's the Even Stevens dad. <laughs> What's his name? The Even Stevens dad. Like, John Virtue. I think his name is the Even Stevens dad. <laughs> his name is just Even Stevens dad. Tom Virtue. So I thought it was him because I was like, that's the Even Stevens dad. He's a big actor. He's got to be the unsub. His name is Even Stevens dad. <laughs> no? That could be a name, Stevens dad. No, so they're thinking, was he on his way to deliver a bomb? And it went pop. And not the recipient of a bomb because why was he bringing the bomb into his car? Hmm. As I said before, Morgan did stay behind and... Garcia escorts the bomb fragments to him. Uh-huh. How cute. Cut to, right now, Garcia's outfit update. <laughs> Garcia's outfit update. Hey, work it, girl. I don't know. Do your thing. That should be our theme song. See if you can make that happen. <laughs> You're the editor of this. Yeah, we'll see. On the runway. Oh, do you have the pictures? No. (laughs) Garcia, when we are first introduced to her. That's not when we're first introduced to her. In the episode. The first time we see Garcia this episode. (laughs) Stop yelling at me. I can't take all this. I mean, it's pretty fun. I like it. I like her hair. Yeah. She has uh, her bleached blonde hair is like all curled and pretty. She has, does she have like a headband? I don't know about, yeah, she's wearing a headband, like a black, shiny black headband. Yeah, she has a cute little plastic I really like her, um, her hair. I wish I could, I would definitely go platinum. She's wearing a, like a black pinstriped suit with a nice coral shirt underneath, Mm -hmm. some black beads, and some like. Reddish brown, mostly red lipstick. This really reminds me of what not to wear. Like, this is the classically something that Clinton and Kelly would put her in. That's so true. So funny. My teacher, my psychology teacher was just talking about what not to wear. Why? He was like, he's there trying to like help these people realize that they're worth putting time into. And so mm. it's not like bagging on them. It's It's lifting them up. Which uh, reminded me of that one episode where that woman was like, I don't want this. This is way too stressful. And they were like, I'm sorry, sis. Do your thing. Did I say Clinton and Kelly? You did, I think. <laughs> Stacy and Clinton. <laughs> Stacy and Clinton. I just love Stacy and Clinton. Show. They I were just, good people. I hope that they're best friends in real life and that they love each other. I and that so they'll too. always be best friends. And that they're they go on vacation <laughs> together and like, they go out for smoothies at the mall and they just watch people's like passing by and like judge other people's outfits and like cackle to each other. <laughs> That's all I want. So this is the first Garcia's outfit update, but guess what? She comes back in another outfit. She's wearing two outfits. She's wearing at least two outfits. And she's definitely the most fun dressed character always well i really like jj's suit i think that was pretty fun i think um matthew gray googler tries to make reed's outfits fun like later on Mm. and he always wears his mismatched socks you know Mm. but he'll never be as fun as um... he dresses like dwight from the office Uh, Morgan wears just like these button up shirts or show off his titties. Yeah, and then he wears those at first and then he transitions to that gray shirt. Yes, he just wears t shirts. That bodycon t shirt. Yes, with his fucking gun, his holster vest on. Yes. Hodge is in a suit the whole series, (laughs) the whole entire time, right? You know when he is dressed fun is. Two decades earlier when he did the Flintstones movie. <laughs> when Hodge is 
when Thomas Gibson played <laughs> the, the evil boss in the Flintstones movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I can't stop thinking about that. That's so weird, because when I watch the Flintstones movie, all I can see is... <laughs> you know what? No, because he really gets into character. So I believe whatever character he's playing at the time. That's true, but it's just his face. Like, I can't... I can't look at that face and not see the boss from the Flintstones. Why? So the bomb. Yes, back to Morgan and Garcia putting the bombs together. Garcia's there to, like, you know, moral support. He's, like, (laughs) Morgan's trying to teach her, which is, I don't know. He's not, like, being all condescending to her. It's kind of, like, more flirty. I think, I mean, it's definitely, it's not, like condescending but i also wouldn't say it's really flirty oh because she goes why do you need to put the bomb together can't you just dust it for prints and he goes how are you in the fbi (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of rude yeah but that's just how he is in the beginning that's just his personality for now i feel like he's definitely different in the later episodes but anyway we find out from morgan that how the bombs are put together can tell you a lot about the bomber and help create the profile. Mm-hmm. So he tells... Bring the bomb together. He tells Garcia pretty much off the bat that this bomb was really dangerous to make, but if it had been any safer, it wouldn't have been as deadly. Mm-hmm. What does that tell us about the bombs? The unsub wanted to kill. Kill. I want to kill. Kill. <laughs> No one will get that reference. <laughs> you might. The BAU and the ATF and the local police, they're suspicious of Corman too because he survived. He's the only male to be targeted. So they get a search warrant. They go search his house. And his wife comes home and's like, what the fuck? My husband's leg got blown off and you're searching my house right now? And then Elle with her beautiful cat eyes talks her down and she says... We just need to clear him as a suspect so that we can find the real guy. Miss mm-hmm. Clerman says, I trust you, Elle Greenaway. I love you. I would run away with you if it weren't for my husband who just got his leg blown off. If it weren't for my Clerman husband. <laughs> but then they find something quite suspicious. Indeed. It's a toolbox filled with, like, tools. Bomb-making tools and the book, The Anarchist's Companion. And Hotch kind of looks at Mrs. Clerman and is like, did you know about this? And she was like, and she goes, oh, well, I, uh, while they're still searching the house, Elle finds a picture of Clerman with his 12-year-old nephew who left the Clerman house about a week back to go back to Texas. Yeah, he had been visiting. He went back to Texas. Good old Tejas. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! He later admits that the bomb, the toolbox, and the anarchist companion was his. Yes. That was just a fun little red herring there. <laughs> it was a 12-year-old, you guys. Haven't we all been 12 trying to make bombs? I melted a... um. Melted a big garbage can. When you were 12? Not when I was 12. I think that every child went through a fire phase. Oh, definitely. I mean, I hope so. I for sure did in seventh grade. Seventh grade, I remember being home alone one day and just putting shit in my garbage can and lighting it on fire. And then the house filled with smoke and I was like, hmm, this is interesting development. (laughs) Yeah. I, um... I was playing with fire, and this um, <laughs> this uh, garbage can was actually full of, like, dead leaves and cotton and everything that you could possibly ask for Nicole. to start a fire. And I, like, I threw, like, a, a smoking piece of paper, and I walked away for a second, <laughs> like, to get water, like, a drink of water, and I came back, and it was on fire, and I was like, oh, <gasps> Because when I left, there was no fire to be seen. It was completely out, and I came back. When was this? And the garbage can was partially melted. When was this? It was a few years ago. (laughs) Did anybody ever find out about that? I don't know. I for sure didn't get in trouble. (laughs) All kids go through a fire phase. (laughs) That reminds me when I accidentally lit a fire in my car. (laughs) But that was much more recently. (laughs) That was 
the last year I had this <laughs> I had this like glass mason jar that I used for my cigarette butts, but I would also like shove my garbage in there, like um, receipts. old receipts and straw wrappers. So one day I put my cigarette into the thing. And I was just driving along, and I smelled, like, something burning. And I was like, is something on fire? It was the jar. So we were kind of judging this kid, but... But honestly, uh, seriously... Who, who doesn't go through a fire phase? My point is everybody goes through a fire phase. And sometimes fires start on accident. And sometimes... And it's uh, nobody's it's fault. <laughs> sometimes it's no one's fault. You're just trying to light a... You're just trying to throw a piece of paper away, and it turns out that you throw it into a garbage tray full of dead leaves. Sometimes that happens. <sighs> Sally! Could you be any louder? She's playing with a Cliff Bar wrapper that one of my friends left in here. <sighs> well, there's so much garbage for her to choose from. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> so Gideon and Reed question Clarman in the hospital and rule him out as a suspect because his answers were coherent. He had a sense of humor, empathy, and a hobby unrelated to bombs. He collects oleanders. Why is no. that significant? Is it? Yes. He collects... No, not oleanders. Orchids? Orchids. Oh. He collects orchids. So he thought that the package was an orchid. He was taking it to work. He thought it was a pot. Or one of his orchids. He thought it was pot. <laughs> so he took it. He was going to take it to the police station. <laughs> and he also says he doesn't think it was Joe, the man who confronted him, because... He just doesn't think it was him. Oh, because he said Joe would have just beat him to death. Yeah. Much more straightforward. Cut. Silly. Oh, sorry, you're saying. I'm just saying Gideon and Reed always go everywhere together. It's and I think it's because Reed's father never hugged him. Stop. Isn't that sad? <laughs> I love Reed. Reed just wants Gideon to be his father. Or his daddy. Stop. We don't know. Cut to Garcia playing on her little Nintendo DS while Morgan works on putting together the bomb fragments. And that is an old DS. I remember I had one of those. I know. <laughs> I also had one of those. I, I want a DS. DSs were fun. They still can be. I know. They still have them. But, like, you know, now we have phones. Hmm. Sad. I want to, we were talking about throwing our phones away and getting flip phones. Because I spend so much time on my phone. Honestly, like, I do a lot of the, I do a lot of the podcast stuff from my phone, but it's nothing that I couldn't do from my laptop. Oh, it just makes me miserable. This is a really interesting podcast. Anyways, Morgan's working on the bomb. He can't figure out the last few pieces, which could be the bomber's signature. Which is what the bomber puts in there to say, hello, it's me. <laughs> Garcia? Hello, it's me. I was wondering Stop, if I don't have the rights. all these years you liked me. Garcia is the one who figures out the bomber's signature because she is the Tetris queen. Exactly. That's what she was playing on her DS. She just picks up the pieces and is like, what about this? <laughs> Doesn't this go here? Morgan says, God damn it, Garcia. God damn it. And Garcia says, oopsie, did I break it? And he said, no, you beautiful angel. You did everything perfect. I love you. And then Morgan says he knows who built the bomb. And Garcia says, what, what, what? And he's in federal prison. Who? How did he recognize who built the bomb so quickly? Who could it be? It was Adrian Bale! The motherfucking Boston bomber <laughs> of the Boston incident. Of the Boston incident. Is this where we finally confront the Boston incident? Oh my god. It all comes together, people. The cop tells the BAU that... Bow. <laughs> Stop saying about That Adrian Bale has a cult following. He's in prison. And the Palm Beach bomber is probably a copycat. The profile. Now we have the profile. The Palm Beach bomber. Non-confrontational. Highly organized. Above average intelligence. Works a skilled job that allows him to work alone. A trade like 
furniture building or something like that. Jewelry, I believe, was another example. Yes. He doesn't necessarily have a background in explosives. Bombs are not random, but likely for profit or to conceal a crime. Mm, Remember that, because that definitely comes back. Gideon and Reed Mm. (laughs) go to Atlanta, Georgia to interview Adrian... I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) To interview Adrian Bale in prison. But Bale says there's another me out there. God, these are just <laughs> loose notes. You don't have to read all of them. He blames Gideon for the Boston incident. Yeah. He's like, why did you let those agents go in there? Didn't you know I was going to blow them up? <laughs> and he's like, I couldn't help it. Me, I had a chance to press the trigger and I had to do it. I guess you could say it was a compulsion. Well, <laughs> Yeah, but he said he 100% blames Gideon. It's his fault that all those agents died. Even though Bale's the one who killed them. So, okay, what I gather is Gideon talked Bale into coming out with his hands up. And then he sent the agents into the building. But Bale still had the detonator on his person. said, why didn't you search me or something? Yeah, he's like, why didn't you search me? You just sent them in. Why did you believe me? And Gideon was like, Don't bitch. Meanwhile, Koch gets a call from an agent Holloway. Who is she? I don't know. Is I don't. That, is that the lead bitch? No. Oh. It's not even. I don't think. It's just some. <laughs> another FBI agent calls and is like, If we get a chance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. She's. I mean, I don't remember who she is. I think she's. Like, just works, like, at the prison. She doesn't work at the prison. Well, she's, like, she's in charge of the the prison stuff. The prison part of it. Because she she doesn't care what what kind of bargaining they have to do with Bale. Yeah, she says, if you have a chance to make a deal with him to stop these bombs, like, if you're in a position to make a deal, do it. And Hotch is like, with him? No. (laughs) He's just like, no, I'm not going to make a deal with him. Cut two. Even though they do end up making a deal with him. <laughs> Spoilers. Cut two. JJ is holding a press conference talking about the bomber and what kind of packages he leaves with the handwritten address labels in blue ink on these brown paper packages. and Blue we, ink on white labels. And we pan out to a little girl listening to the TV, coloring at the table, and her mom watching the press conference in their home. Mm-hmm. Cut to the little girl goes outside and says, Mom, you got a package. Mommy, is it a present for me? Gee whiz. Do you want me to bring it to you? The mom, like, turns, <laughs> like, steps out to see her daughter and goes, No! Because obviously it's a fucking bomb. Oh, God. Yeah. And this is a very stressful scene. I I literally started crying while making the mug brownies. Nicole started crying while watching this. They have to call the bomb squad, and the little girl has to hold the package up the entire time, just holding it and going, I can't. It's too heavy. And her mom is like, I know, baby. You just hold it. Just hold it just a little while longer. It's very and then stressful. The, the bomb squad gets there and the little girl doesn't blow up. Well, yeah, they got it. They the bomb squad puts the bomb on like some kind of pedestal so that the little girl can let go. I hate when they bring the little girls into it. I just remember that other episode that made me cry, but we'll get into that later. Much much later. Yes. So that happens and then back at back in Georgia, back at the prison, Um, Reed decides to monitor all of Bale's communications, his letters, his phone calls, his internet activities. Because now Bale knows that someone is using his design and he wants, he's like such a narcissist, he's going to want to get in on it. Yes. He calls Garcia and he says, how do we? He says that Bale has been getting into the, getting into the internet and he has a, an email address. So how can we track what he's doing on that old internet? Garcia says we need to get him to open an email so we can put a virus on the computer. Reed says, okay, make a, like the title something 
that he's going to want to open, Garcia says, I have just the thing. So I get it. And she names, she puts the subject as sexy, willing teen, hot for inmate XXX. XXX. Wouldn't you know it? He opens it. <laughs> and so Garcia uh, can, like, see what he's doing. He goes on to what he's typing as he types it. Yeah, logging his keystrokes. So he goes onto a bunch of porn sites. And then he posts to a website called NaughtyHobbies.net, which is a website for bomb enthusiasts. Would you believe it? He posts onto a message board to all my friends out there, beware. They are on to you. Oh. Elle is talking to Hotch, and she comes up with a theory that someone may have wanted to kill Keller. Remember, that's a 72-year-old woman. Because of some rare coins she was trying to insure. I thought that this was a stupid theory. Michelle was was immediately like, this is dumb. Don't tell them what I thought. I'll tell them what (laughs) I thought. Michelle is um, dumb. And honestly, I I don't know why. Okay, because she said that she told her insurance company that the coins were, like, worth $12,000. Yeah. That's not a lot of money. That's not enough money to kill someone. I also said that's not worth it. I was like, "Mm, Elle, I love you, honey, but this ain't it. Yeah. So the woman had an appointment with a coin dealer, David Walker, to, like, have him appraised. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. She didn't like the insurance people's appraisal. Mm Mm-hmm. So Reed goes through the not... Actually, I've been talking a lot. Do you want to take this one? Yes. So she comes up with the coin dealer, David Walker. Then Reed looks through everyone that's been posting on the Naughty Naughty Hobby. (laughs) Naughty Hobbies. Naughty Hobby. Is that what the website's called? NaughtyHobby.net. He goes through all the Naughty Hobbyists, and he calls Gideon and is like... Uh, which one of these guys do you think did it, boss? <laughs> so they read through their... Oh, my God, Sally's falling. <laughs> they read through the... What's it called? Occupations. And find one that's an antiques dealer. Mm-hmm. And guess who that is? David, David Walker! Walker! The coin dealer. What? And L is already at David Walker's house. With his wife. Who hates him? She's, she's like... Oh, don't go marrying the first guy that proposes to you. Yeah. She hates his wife. Or she hates him. him. She, she hates him. And she husband. leads Elle out into, out to, like, the garage. And they hear something. She's like, what's that? And I was like, it sounds like a car. It is a car. It is a car. The garage opens up. David Walker peels out. Elle jumps out of the way. And he runs his fucking wife over. She flies over the hood and he just keeps going. That's awful. He hits his fucking wife with the car. He does. He hits his wife with the car. So Hotch and Elle are searching the garage and they find... I mean, they didn't uh, just leave the wife there. No, no, they didn't. An ambulance came and picked her up. (laughs) She'll be fine. But obviously this guy's shady, to say the least. (laughs) To say the very least. They find an electroplating machine... That he presumably used to change the dates on coins. He's a forger. He's trying to make these coins more more valuable than they actually are. For sure. Back to Morgan and Garcia. Well, in Quantico. Back to Garcia. And she's wearing her second outfit by now? Mm, yeah. What is she? What you wearing, baby? These are oh, all. yeah. Okay, I really like this outfit. It's like, ooh, it's very pretty. I just, whoever dresses her, it must watch what not to wear. I, well, I don't know. I like her outfits because they're fun and they are fashionable in the in the Garcia way. But mm. they're not, like, conventionally, like, fashionable. I don't know. Like, I think they work for her. I think she's really pretty. And whatever she wears, it's really similar to what she wears in real life, this actress. Kristen Vargas. Yes. So, the second outfit, she's in the cafeteria trying to eat her lunch. She's wearing, like, a pastel shirt with, uh, it's, like, green floral. Green and blue and orange, like, pastel flowery pattern. 
She has a matching, it's like a bracelet. Very, very 2000, 2010. Very cute. I, I think love it's her. St- is it a dress or a top? It's a top, I believe. I don't think we ever see her standing up in this outfit, though. Oh, no, she's wearing a skirt. Oh, she's wearing a orange Ooh, skirt to finish. Looks like denim, maybe. Oh, I was thinking more like, yeah, I would say denim. I was thinking corduroy. But yeah, that's that's Garcia outfit number two. So she really redeems herself from the first oh, episode. Oh, definitely. Definitely. What the fuck? Ugh, I want to vomit. So, Morgan and Garcia are talking about a stack of Bale's emails. Not just talking about it. <laughs> Morgan comes over and interrupts her lunch and hands her a stack and says, start reading these. And then they do, like, a little secret handshake. Why don't we have a secret handshake? Oh, my God. We do need a secret handshake. <laughs> Let's do one right now. Mm, not now. Let's do Morgan and Garcia's secret handshake. Yeah. <laughs> they just wiggle their fingers together, like... Oh, who does that? You know, twelve-year-old, like in light the, bombs, like on recess. The when the Ashleys go, Ew. something like that. Wasn't that Hannah Montana? Because they did that on Hannah Montana. No. <laughs> well, the the two mean girls did that on Hannah Montana. They that. Hmm. Back at the police station. The BAU learns that Walker was in prison for forged checks in his uh, early 20s. That's a previous criminal record. Oh, my God. If you, uh, if you catch my drift. If you're going back to the profile. And it turns out he has a store filled with forged antiques. Mm-hmm. That's why he killed the old lady, because she threatened to turn him in. Mm-hmm. He used so? the other bombs as a diversion, and he, has, he just really likes bombs, because he's obsessed with this Adrian yeah. Bale fella. If he would have gotten found out, he would have lost all this money. He would have been in jail for so long. <laughs> so many years. Oh, and also in his garage, they found, like, newspaper articles about the Boston bomber. Indeed. Nicole's taking a nap, so I'll just continue. So they're talking about Walker, Texas Ranger. Sally! And a man comes into the police station with a collar bomb around his neck, and he says, help me. Oh, no. All the cops whip out their guns. (laughs) They're like, straight back, motherfucker. And Gideon's like, now hold on a second. Hold on, ladies. We need to help this feller. The bomber, not the bomber. The man with the bomb around his neck, they try to get him to go outside. He says, if I go outside, he's going to kill me, and I don't want to be killed. The bomber wants a helicopter and a passport, and he is watching them. He's watching. <laughs> Hotch is like, was it Hotch or Gideon? They're like, we're going to need to isolate you. And he's like, why? <laughs> like, um, because well, we don't all want to die also. I'm so sorry, <laughs> sweetie. So either the bomber walker is gonna detonate it or there's also a timer that has about three hours left on it mm-hmm. so the police scramble snipers to find because the bomber is watching and he's the only one who knows how to get the collar off yes but hotch thinks that he's pretty weak-willed and so he will end up giving them the information anyway he's like you just gotta be firm with him and he'll buckle you just gotta Hmm. You know? Okay. <laughs> he needs a firm hand. Ooh. So the snipers on the roof, they find the bomber pretty easily. He's, like, standing in the window, like, <laughs> just watching, like, a big old Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> just fucking staring out the window. And, I mean, this feels like a trap to me. I thought it was a trap. Yeah, because he's just standing in the window like a big old Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, and they find him like that. And so Ellen... Ellen Hotch Ellen go Hodge, in. not Ellen Gideon. I wrote down Ellen Gideon. Ellen Hotch go to get the information from this guy. They go to ambush him. They want the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to me, I just felt like this was reminiscent of the Boston incident. <laughs> where Gideon just sends the team in to the place. Except they haven't even gotten him to give up yet. So they tell him to come on out. He slides his gun over and he's like, okay, I'm coming out. And then Gideon's like, 
he's a forger, not a bomber. Get out of there! And then no, Hawk, that's not well, why. Because Morgan calls Gideon and is like, "We have this email from Bale to Walker." Bale wrote to him that his biggest regret was letting himself get arrested. Bale wished that he would have just blown it up. He says, if they get you, don't let them keep you. Don't let them take you. That's why Gideon says, get out of there. Because if this walker... But he says it right... He says, get out of there after he says he's a forger, not a bomb maker. Ignore that part. No, I'm not going to ignore ignore it. Because he said it as if that's why. He's like, they're part of the profile. He's a forger, not a bomb maker. Get out of there! Anyway. Why does he have to sound like that? That's what he sounds like. Get out of there! That's not what I sounded like. Yes, well, he tells that to Ellen Hodge. (laughs) And Hodge tells the other people to get out, and they all run. Hodge tells them, get out of there! (laughs) And they all scatter. They escape with their lives, and Walker blows himself up. So <laughs> that's fun. But there's still this bomb that's yeah. gonna go off in like an hour. And the only guy that can tell them how to take it off just blew himself up. Or, or did he? <laughs> is there that? <laughs> I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say or is it? <laughs> None of just them. blew him up himself up. Or, or is it? <laughs> And now there's no one else. Wait, wait. Okay. The only guy who can tell them is blown up. Or, or is he? <laughs> wait, no. Yeah, he that is. Seem he is blown up, actually. Okay, wait. There now, is only okay, one. No, man. no, 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 no. Now there's no one who can disarm the bomb. Or, or is there? <laughs> That's it. There it is. Because this is a copycat. Yeah. Who's he copying? Adrian Bale. Adrian Bale. They actually bring Adrian Bale from Atlanta to Palm Beach. I don't know how far that is. Get up. Let's Google it. Commercially, it's an hour and 45 minute flight. But this is the FBI. They have private jets. Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. go scoop him, bring him down to Palm Beach. And I think that's what they do. Because by the time he gets there, they only have like 10 minutes left or something. <laughs> So they go to they make a deal with him. Basically, yeah. he says he wants to go in like a a psychiatric hospital as opposed to a minimum or a medium security prison. Yeah. Hotch says, you know, that can't happen. He says, I don't care. Make it happen. Gideon and Hotch meet with Bale and his lawyer. Mm-hmm. He has a lady lawyer. And the lady lawyer says, it's all in paper. If my client says anything that he knows to be untrue, then the deal is off. Mm-hmm. And he wants Gideon to say in writing that he bested him. Yeah, he wants him to sign a contract saying that Bale beat him, saying that Bale is a genius, all hail Bale. <laughs> Bale is the king of the universe. And he wants Gideon to apologize to the families of the six agents that were killed. Sad. 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 And Hotch is like, Gideon, no. Let's get out of here. Whatever. Gideon says, shut up, Hotch. I'm doing it. He says, and he I does need to it. do this. He does it. It's really humiliating. It's a very painful scene to watch. <laughs> to watch a grown um, man humiliated. Not as painful as that little girl holding the bomb. That was definitely more stressful for me. No, I knew they weren't going to kill a little I girl. I know, but I still just I had a physiological reaction to it. Okay. Cried into your mug brownie. So I was so salty. <laughs> but I just think it's always it's always hard to watch somebody debase themselves. No, He's I like, rather enjoy. You <laughs> later, freak. Gideon goes. Bail outfoxed me, and I'm sorry to the families of the agents that I killed. It was my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm a dumb bitch. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And. So they take Bale over to... Where the guy with the collar bomb is. Yeah, they take him to the bomb, I was going to say. But there's a man attached to that bomb. <laughs> yeah. So the bomb squad is working on it. And he goes, there's two wires left, a red and a blue. Which one do we cut? Which brings us to our scene of the week. And That's Michelle right. is going to be Gideon. Um, do you want to also be the, the bomb guy or we can just ignore his part? Uh, I'll be the bomb guy, sure. Okay. Okay, so Michelle, me, I'm going to be Gideon. And I'm going to be Adrian Bale. All right. Which do we cut, Bale? Red or blue? 
Red. You know if you're a lion, this thing goes boom. You get nothing, right? Yes. If we cut the red, it's over. You get to spend your time... What the fuck did you write? <laughs> in a cushy asylum. God, Star Nicole has the back. worst handwriting. What is this? If we cut the red, it's if over. If we cut the red, it's over. You get to spend your time in a cushy asylum. Bushes, trees, visits, nurses. And we get this man out of here alive. I don't see how I could be any clearer. <sighs> 17 seconds. Red wire, right? Yes. Cut the blue. <sighs> Are you sure? Do it. Bum, bum, snip. Bum, bum, snip. They cut the fucking blue wire. <laughs> And you know, if there had been an explosion, we would be making explosion noises. There was no explosion, hence this lack of explosion noises. Oh he my god. lied. <sighs> Can I just, I don't know if oh. you guys got the tension from our beautiful acting, but watching that scene, I was screaming. Oh, she was so angry. I was so mad. Oh my god, the fucking, the fucking bail. Because Gideon knew because, oh, what did Bill say in his interview earlier? He said, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help but detonate the bomb. Yeah. If there was a chance for me to detonate a bomb, I'm going to fucking do it. I can't control myself. So Gideon's like, oh, I know I know that about you, and I got you. And I know you're fucking lying to me. Oh. So, yeah, Gideon uh, saved this man's life. By cutting the blue wire. Oh my god. Just whew. Whew. I need to settle down. I need a I need a nice hot tea or something. Oh, I love iced tea. And then Gideon escorts Bill back to his cell. He wants to make sure that he knows that he's in jail and Gideon put him in there. <laughs> and they play funky rock. Funky rock music. He plays as it fades to black. <laughs> What is that? The Frasier? <laughs> I don't know. Why do you know the Frasier theme song? I don't. It's just I'm guessing. Never heard of him. Frasier? Oh my god. I'm Frasier. You know what we didn't do? Retear update. Retear update. It's been pretty much the same the past three episodes. Pretty uninspired. It's a little bit longer than the first episode. He can, like, yeah, he can tuck it behind his ears. Oh, I guess. It makes a little curly cue <laughs> underneath his ears. Nerd. It's just, it's long. It's, I guess. It's like he uses a lot of gel to, like, tamp it down. I mean, do we have a picture? Yeah, my jeans. It's not attractive. No, but I mean, his face makes up. It's fine. His hair is fine. Him as a person. Beautiful. Love my hair. My hair. Okay. Remember that? No. It's on Sesame Street. <laughs> they have a little puppet that loves her hair. She sings a song I about love it. My hair. Yeah, Reed's hair is just it's just a little bit longer, like he's growing it out. Yeah, I see that he's, now. He's working with it. He it's doesn't kind of quite the, know. It's longer, but it's the same style. Yeah, it's still parted partially down the middle. Ooh. <sighs> he's so sexy. Well, he's talking on like a weird little walkie-talkie phone. Oh yeah, the cell phones in this episode are Mwah. Do you remember those um commercials for like the spy gear? No. No. Okay, I they were always on, like, Nickelodeon, and it's, sh- like, it showed a little kid sneaking a weird, tiny um, camera, like, into under his sister's door, and she was, like, talking on the phone, and she's like, get out! And she, like, kicks the wire or whatever. That's what I imagine, like, would come with it, is Reed's weird little phone. <laughs> I always wanted that spy kit. Spy kits were so cool, like... I, did you have a spy kit and are you cool now? I think I think we should know. I think I I think I had one. I definitely did not. Like a little like a piece of one maybe. Mm. Like but nowadays people really do have spy shit. Like this 10-year-old that I babysit has a full-on camera inside of her watch. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I it just could. points to the side. Like, you can just fucking record anything. Like, should we actualize our childhood dreams and get spy equipment? I think we should get spy equipment, and then we should start a detective agency called the BAU. Finally! I didn't. I was too scared to say it, but the, now... The bitches authorized... United. Bitches are united! <laughs> we, bitches are united, detective agency. Yeah, we... The Baudu. <laughs> Bauda. <laughs> Bauda. Cute. Oh. Alright. Alright. So um, this is our newest venture. Bauda. Like, send us a message on Instagram if you have a mystery that you would like if us to solve. If you have, like, a, a husband who you think is cheating on you and you need the Bauda. Did your best friend disappear under mysterious circumstances and the police won't listen to you? We Call will. A private detective. We will listen to you. I will listen to you, but I can't. And we will solve it. Oh, God. That is my guarantee Please, to you. Please, no. I don't there know. is no case that we you can't solve. You know how solve. scared I am of being sued. Shh. There is no case that we can't solve. I guarantee this to you. Did you have a spy kit growing up? Let us know. I want to know. Because, I don't know. <laughs> there was no closing quote. So, we'll just leave you with this. Boom, 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 boom. No, we need to suit, do our... Do you have a white eyelash? Ow. I can feel my white eyebrow hair growing back. Ow! You just poked me in the eye. You just poked me in the eye. Thank you so much for listening. She just poked me in the eye. Oh, my God. If you don't shut up, I'm going to rip that eye right out of your head. She's dead. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at unsubpod. There you can find Garcia's outfits, Reed's hair for the day, some other fun stuff that we wanted to put up. President JJ, Elle being beautiful. Mm, I don't think we're going to put I'm going to be putting those up. Nicole, that's too much. You're just confusing everybody. How? It's too many. How? It needs to be specific photos. I just put up everybody's outfits. Why? Because uh, that's not what this. <laughs> ah! We need to rein it in. No. JJ's outfit was iconic, and I will be posting both. No, of it them. wasn't. I can't do this with you anymore. I can't do this with you. You know what? This is the last episode of Unsub, everyone. We're so glad you could be here. I'm taking over the detective agency. I'm kicking Nicole out. If you have any mysteries, send them to me, Michelle. Only. <laughs> anyway, I don't want this to be recording while I murder Michelle. So I don't thank want you this to be listening. recording while I murder Nicole. I'm gonna call you. Okay. Well. Goodbye. goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thank you. I'm gonna kill you.